This episode is brought to you by Mission Aware. Mission Aware is a lifestyle brand for the reformed and biblically minded. Head on over to missionaware.com slash doc and devo today. Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective, but today it's Reformed, it's Baptist, and it's Presbyterian. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, becoming a Presbyterian. No, you're not. At Redeemer City. No, you're not. Stop yeah, it. I'm becoming, you just said no. Presbyterian. So no, that, it's Presbyterian know? because Nick is here. No. Oh, but Nick's been like... He's yeah. been talking to me. Yeah, no. He's been sharing with me resources and books. He got yeah. you a gift. Yeah, he did. Dude, talk about that. Um, well, Grab it right it? over there. All right right over there. Yeah. Because, yeah, Nick's been trying to get me to become Presbyterian. Uh, well, my kids were worried this morning that he was going to try to sprinkle them. Yeah, I was worried about their salvation and stuff. All right, so <laughs> I've got uh, – Nick brought me um, a copy of Vincent's Catechism. And this uh, is Dang, a, an 1810 uh, publication. Wow! So it is uh, super vintage. It's in it's in good condition uh, for yeah. its age. You got to take a photo it's, of that. It's, and post that. Yeah, I'll put this up. But um, and I have not read Vincent's Catechism, um, but it looks. Uh, it looks fantastic. I think you highlighted the part about baptism, didn't you? Yeah, I, I definitely encourage them to read those sections specifically about <laughs> right, check it obeying out. God. Since we're here, yeah, giving your children the covenant sign. All right, so this thing, all right, this thing, you know how, how really old books kind of have a sweet and dusty smell to it? So it almost like a little maple, if you ever know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I just popped it open to page 126, which is the third commandment. And it gives the, the third commandment is, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And then uh, what is required in the third commandment, and um, just listen to some of this. The yes, third please. Com- oh, this is good stuff. Yeah, this is great stuff. All right. The third commandment requireth the holy and reverent use of God's names, titles, attributes, ordinances, word, and works. All right, Jimmy's making fun of me now. No, I'm not making this away. fun of you. All right, thought, go. No, no, you know why I'm laughing? Why? Uh, so you got that great book. Yeah. Do you know what I got? What? A loaf of bread. Yeah. Listen. He brought me a loaf of bread. Listen, that was my wife made that. She slaved oh, over His that bread. She slaved loaf on of Mother's bread. Day yeah. weekend. Slaved. And like, over what that. is it? Zucchini? What was in there? Uh, it's Ezekiel bread. I don't even know what that is. I didn't go, have a bite yet. Google it. You read no, I don't Ezekiel Google it. about Google it. cooking the bread. All right. So, like. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds no, good. I am. I am very thankful. Tell her thank you. Uh, that, but you know. Yeah, cool. of course that'll be gone in a week. Yeah, and I'll I have. I'll have this awesome copy Thanks, of Nick. Vincent's Catechism. Thanks, Nick. I mean, I only uh, you know counsel you every other day when we Facetime. Uh, yes, right. When we discuss your sermons, your delivery, uh, your preparation, and uh, yeah, I owe you a lot more. Uh, yeah, it it's really right. not even. It's not so much coaching that you do with Nick. It's more of just correction. Correction is, is kind of really what it goes down, especially ministry of correction. Ministry of correction in, in Nick's life. Yeah. All right, so uh, now we're thankful for you. If you guys don't know who Appreciate Nick Batzig is, if you didn't listen to uh, earlier in the week the previous episode, uh, Nick Batzig is the planting pastor, the the founding pastor, um, and he's currently uh, the lead pastor at New Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond Hill. 
Georgia. He is the editor of Reformation 21 and Christward Collective. He is fun. He is um, a, a godly man. He is a scholar. And uh, we consider him to be a very good friend. We're blessed to have you with us. Nick, thanks for making the time. Yeah, thanks for having me back on, guys. So, um, man, we're, we're going to talk about something, and you are actually, you've, you've been cautioning us about this conversation, Nick. Yeah. You've been saying, like, well, you know, this might upset some people, and uh, I don't know what we're going we're gonna to find out. But we want to. I'm not really sure why people are going to be upset with this, though. They shouldn't be. Uh, Yeah, I don't think most of our audience is going to be upset about this. I really don't. So um, what we're going to talk about is why we see some people jumping um, the the Protestant theology, leaving that, leaving a broad evangelicalism, uh, or even the Reformed tradition uh, specifically, Mm -hmm. for uh, Roman Catholicism at times. Eastern Orthodoxy, Eastern Orthodoxy, Eastern Orthodoxy. Greek Orthodoxy, uh, and what do you, what do you Catholicism? What, what, what Anglo Catholicism, right? Mm. So, Nick, why don't you why don't you set us up here um, and and give us maybe an example of this and um, why why this should matter? Because a lot of people look at this and they just go, "Well, we're all Christians. We all love Jesus. Yeah, what's Who the cares? Deal? Baptist, Presbyterian, Anglican, Catholic. It, you know, it, it shouldn't matter. Should it really matter? Can't we all just love each other and love Jesus? So maybe give us an example and then talk to us about why this matters. And obviously, we're not hating on anybody here. We're just talking about this issue itself. Yeah, yeah sure. So a little background. I grew up Reformed Episcopalian, which is a very small um, and was a very solid denomination for many, many years in this country and started having a shift that that denomination did probably about 30 years ago, becoming more of what I'd say closer to an Anglo-Catholicism, sadly. Um, When I was a boy, we pulled out of the the RE, the Reformed Episcopal Episcopal, I can't even speak, Reformed Episcopal denomination. Um, Johnny Erickson Tata grew up in the RE. Um, Jay Adams went to Reformed Episcopal Seminary. So some notable people in our right. circles that were in yeah. that very, very, very strong denomination um, started kind of becoming more sacramentalist, more high church, and moving toward that Anglo-Catholic hmm. um, uh, trajectory. And so then we became Presbyterian, OPC, PCA churches largely. And I've stayed there the better part of my life. I'm now obviously a PCA minister. And we have a liturgical service. We have a very ordered liturgy. Mm. And we, you know, we're not formalistic, but we're definitely very ordered and methodical in why we do what we do in our elements of worship. And modern with the fog machines and lasers. And then the inclusion, yes. We, should, we, we very, actually have to address this. We, we, yeah, we, we got to take – this is actually why you're here. Yeah. Is we need to discuss uh, this issue of your machines. You owe me an apology. For, <laughs> no, for calling you out on no, it? No, I think we do. We <laughs> do. <laughs> we, we've been, from, the, from like episode two, we've been trashing Nick saying that he, he uses hazers and lasers in his corporate <laughs> worship. And some people ask, like, does he really? Actually, I got a text. To, or not, uh, someone commented on a photo I posted of you. Like, did he bring his fog machine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Obviously, it should be obvious he's 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 – 
He's in that uh, strongly yeah. biblical conservative end of the PCA. Yes. Yes. Um, there is no hazer. There is no laser. There is no fog machine at uh, at, at Nick's church. So um, but we can put that to rest. We're still going to say that he does, yeah. but we just want to officially funny. say. Yeah. It's yeah. funny. I mean, as a PCUSA minister, it's really hilarious. <laughs> right, right. It's hilarious. Right. That- PCUSA? Yeah. 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 PC, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So um, over the years, though, guys, I've noticed that there's this tendency for people to come from very broad evangelicalism or even dispensational Bible church backgrounds, and then they kind of the pendulum swings, yeah, yeah. and they come into maybe maybe a Reformed Baptist church or a Reformed Presbyterian church, and they spend five, ten years there, and then something happens. They get disillusioned, and they end up... You know, jump and ship and go into a high mm-hmm. liturgy, very ritualistic, smells and bells, strong liturgical calendar. I mean, I saw Joe had the ashes when we came in the other day, still left over yeah. from Ash he, Wednesday. He just, and He just doesn't know how to wash. And, yeah. Listen, and, that's you know, from cigars. That is, you know I do <laughs> Ash Wednesday. <laughs> That's awesome. Ash Wednesday means something different to these guys. Yeah, it's, it it's, it's the it's uh, hanging out at the cigar store on Wednesday. And, uh, well, every day. Ash day. And, just uh, Ash day. And I've just noticed even in the PCA, there's been a move for a lot of people to, to, to push towards that Anglican um, and even, you know, practices in Eastern Orthodoxy, Greek Orthodoxy. We just saw Hank Hanegraaff yeah. come from broad evangelicalism, whatever he was, and you know, made that jump. So mm-hmm. I think it's it's an important subject. Why do people do that is a question I think we have to tackle. So before we get to why, one of the questions is who cares? Yeah, so, what's, what's the issue with so, it? So, you know, Hanky Panky goes from whatever he was. I, I, don't think that, Baptist, I don't think that's his name. No, that's what I call him. I, uh, yeah. So Hank goes from uh, whatever Baptist church, Bible church, whatever, wherever he was at. And now he is, uh, was it Eastern Orthodox? I think he went Roman Catholicism. No, no, he's Greek Orthodox. Greek Orthodox. Yeah, Sorry, all right. Greek Orthodox. So, um, so he went Greek Orthodox. Who cares? Like that's what some people are going to say. Who cares? Why do you care? What's the problem with bells and smells? Who? I mean, isn't it? Just, aren't we just talking about, like, you know, like third tier issues? So, can you? May, why don't you address that? What is it that uh, that should be raising alarms? Uh, in our minds ab- about this sort of a transition. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, there's a number of places in the Bible we could go. Galatians would be foremost, where Paul says um, to those who are tempted to go back to the ritualistic, external nature of Old Covenant worship, but in a Judaistic form mm-hmm. of that, minus the gospel, minus everything else. But he says to them, you know, you observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm concerned for you, lest I've labored in vain and run in vain. And you've, you know, everything you've believed about Christ and the simplicity of the gospel and the spirituality of the new covenant and all the spiritual blessings you have are laid aside for these elemental principles. That's what Paul calls this hyper externalism. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's a parallel there. I mean, I, I would say I, if you have to ask, where is the Judaism of our day? Mm-hmm. In where where do you find parallels? Certainly Roman Catholicism, but I even think you know next to that the Orthodox Church, and then next to that within the sort of Anglo-Catholic communions where it's all smells and bells and days and months and seasons and years. So I would start there. I would say there's a great danger in moving away from an experiential abiding in Christ in the Scriptures to this external 
ritualistic. Now, they're going to come back and argue and say, well, no, we still have the scriptures, we still have prayers, we still have this and that. But it's it's a hybrid, and that's what the Judaism that Paul was taking on in Galatians was. They weren't saying you don't need Christ. They were mm-hmm. saying you need Christ plus the Old Covenant liturgical calendar or these external things. And Paul was saying they were in jeopardy of actually being estranged from Christ if they moved to those things. So that would be the first thing I'd say. The second thing I'd say is that there's also a tendency, and I think you see this a lot in people that move from one end of the spectrum to the other, away from sort of the biblicism of broad evangelicalism, where there's not a lot of historical root roots, into churches that have both a strong adherence to scripture and historical tradition, into Rome or you know any of those other affinity groups that have the similar doctrine to Rome, where they don't preach justification by faith alone, mm-hmm. where that you know the gospel is jeopardized or compromised or rejected or replaced. Um, a lot of times people then just move on and they become agnostic, atheist, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and skeptics, and they just abandon everything. So they're looking for something, and they're not finding it in the Bible. And so I think they're trying to find it in a tradition, mm. but they're never going to find it in a human tradition. If they don't find it in the Bible, any other tradition is not going to matter. So... Part of what you're saying here um, is that the problem is not that a brother or a sister would move from one denomination to another. Um, That happens because of conscience sometimes. Sometimes it happens just because of geography. Uh, So transitioning from one denomination to another itself is not a problem. But there is a problem when we transition into a form of the, quote, the Christian faith that – has things like traditions that are exalted above any proper place. Because you're not anti-tradition. Um, right, right, right. Just adding to or taking away from God's word with the tradition. Yes, yes. So you're saying that there are some streams within what's considered Christianity today. There are some streams that are more dangerous than others. That's not a controversial Absolutely. statement. That's not a con- I mean, we all would agree with that. Okay, so there are some streams that are more dangerous than others. And you are saying that these broader Anglo-Catholic traditions are very dangerous and is and I just want to make sure that I can repeat this back. It's because they have a form of religion and I'm using religion in a bad word as a, right, a bad right, word. Right. They have a form of religion that is not only extra biblical, it is supra or contra in many respects. Well, in, absolutely. I guess it would I mean, be. putting the sacraments in the place of Christ, putting the church in the place of Christ, putting, uh, but they would the, say that they're not doing right. that. So explain how you see them doing mm-hmm. that. Sure. So with sacramentalism, for instance, um, which exalts the sacraments or ordinances, whatever you want to call baptism and the Lord's Supper, to a place where they have an efficacy in themselves, right. not that they are used efficaciously by God. We would believe God uses baptism and the Lord's Supper um, in the life of believers, yeah, right. right? You got to examine yourself and you benefit. It's a cup of blessing, right? Mm-hmm. There is, the, it's a means of grace, the supper. But if you don't, if you don't partake by faith, there's judgment. 
So it doesn't just work out of itself and automatically giving grace. Rome says priest turns the faucet on, the sacraments give the grace. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it does all the work for you. The problem with that is they've taken away the ability to say there's an abuse that could happen because mm. there can be no abuse. Then the church does everything. They've put that in the place of Jesus. And that's why the reformers were so insistent that Rome was apostate, that it was a synagogue of Satan, that its sacraments are idolatrous. I mean, Rome today in their catechism has a title worship of the Eucharist. Mm hmm. It says worship of the Eucharist. They right. claim explicitly to worship the elements, the bread and the wine. That's idolatry. So whatever people want to say, well, I don't think they're really doing that. But if they say they're doing that, if the logical implication is, then they are. Israel thought it was worshiping Jehovah at the foot of the mountain using the golden calf. Mm -hmm. They said they were worshiping the God that brought them out of Egypt, the true God. Yep. And God was irate with his people for that idolatry. Did he really care all that much? Stop. He just made him drink it. <laughs> Round okay, it up so and drank it. I, th I think most of our audience is going to be like, yeah, I get the Catholic mm -hmm. thing, but what's the problem with going Greek Orthodox? Like, is it because they're gonna, in their minds they're saying, well, but Greek Orthodox isn't the same thing as Catholic, yeah. is it? Right. So, very interesting. When Hank Hanegraaff sort of did his thing and transitioned, I started doing some work on what, are there, is there a lot out there about what the Orthodox Church believes? Now, it's a very mystical group mm -hmm. on the one hand, so it's hard to kind of nail it down, yeah, yeah. which makes it dangerous in itself. Anytime somebody tells you they don't have a systematic theology, watch out because they're about to slip it under your door. Um, but number two, there are two books, and one I want to recommend, it's on uh, Google Books or Internet Archive, is a guy named Frank Gavin. He was an Anglican priest, and he was a noted Orthodox scholar, and he wrote a very trustworthy systematic theology of Greek Orthodox dogma. The title of it is it, it's Some Aspects of Contemporary Greek Orthodox Thought, and he gives you all the categories, and it looks remarkably similar to Rome. Mm. They believe in justification by faith plus works. They believe the sacraments do the work for you. They put the church in the place of Christ, just like Rome does. So while they don't have a pope, while they don't have the exact same ecclesiastical structure, and you have to remember, you know, Rome argues that it's the true church, and the Orthodox church argues that it's the true yeah. church, the East and the West. Yeah. And we want to say, no, the true church is wherever the word of God is preached purely, more or less purely, mm -hmm. wherever the sacraments are administered more or less rightly, and wherever church discipline happens. That's what the Reformed Confessions and Creeds say, the London right. Baptists, the Westminster Standards, the Heidelberg, the Canons of Dort. We're going to say that's where the true church is, not these institutional things that claim historical lineage from the apostles. So when we're talking about... Like somebody, you're talking about the danger of this, and we're going to get into why we think this happens. Um, are you passing judgment on Hank Hanegraaff's status before God when when we see somebody mm. make this kind of thing? Um, is is it is it fair for for some people out there to say, well, Hank Hanegraaff has apostatized; he is no longer a believer, or he wasn't a believer, or however they want to put it. Um, or how do you respond to all that? Yeah, I would actually like to hear what you guys think about that because I think it's a tough subject. On yeah. the one hand, you know, you have the Apostle Paul bringing the strongest possible accusation against anyone that preaches another gospel. So Jesus plus the ceremonial law, another Jesus. Let him be anathema. Right. I mean, we don't want to be kinder than Paul. And I think we live in the, 
you know, we live in a day of the cult of niceness. If you want to gain a hearing, you've got to be 50 times nicer than whoever the main guy everybody looks up to mm -hmm. is. And that's not good. On the other hand, we want to be careful not to draw conclusions about people's eternal condition. Yeah. When we don't know them, we're not their pastor. We don't have a close affinity, but we can take people based on their teaching. And if Hank Hanegraaff starts promoting a yeah. false gospel, then we have to say he's a false teacher. We have that's, to. That's yeah. the bottom line for me is I don't have a problem saying that the, what the Roman Catholic Church officially teaches, Roman Catholic dogma, is damnable heresy. Yeah, right. It leads people away from Jesus. Absolutely. Um, that doesn't make every Roman Catholic damned. Um, everybody's damned unless they come to believe in Christ and are justified by God's grace alone through faith alone. Um, so there are people in the Roman Catholic Church that are going to heaven, and there are people in the Roman Catholic Church that are going to hell. Same in every Baptist church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I, I, I would be slow to say anything about an individual like Hank Hanegraaff. Um, I think it's one thing to say, here's what we understand uh, the Greek Orthodox Church to be teaching, and this is a problem. Um, and yes, I know you take vows and all this when you enter the church, but I would have to wait for a person's teaching explicitly That's in order right. to make an assessment on them. And even then, it has, we're saying at some point, there's a difference between um, incorrect doctrine or some false doctrines and heresy which yeah. we don't want to tolerate so and i yes. know you guys would not use that to tolerate false doctrine but a lot of people say well yeah somebody can be saved and have wrong doctrines so you know live and let live no right i mean the bible doesn't allow that either but i agree a hundred percent with what you're saying yeah so okay so what what's up why does this happen i have my thoughts i want to know what you think why do people make this move from Presbyterian, Baptist, Bible Church, Lutheran, whatever, um, to Eastern Orthodoxy or Roman Catholicism or whatever? I think there are several streams that uh, help explain because I, I don't think everybody's the same okay. in why they do that. This is my personal assessment. And again, it's very limited. And you guys, I'm sure, will add to it. And I'm sure some of your listeners might add to this. But um, I think on one hand, you have... Um, this sort of retreatism, I sort of coined that phrase in broad evangelicalism, where it's like the next retreat, the, I'm not against retreats, by the way, but the next high, the next, it's like a steroid shot of spirituality. I, I call I, it crisis Christianity. Yeah, yeah. It's I like, got to go. I, I'm I not doing good. It's like short-term missions. I haven't been living yeah. for Christ. I go on a little trip. I feel better. Yep. But so I go to the retreat. I go to the retreat. I go to the retreat. I wait for the next one. Oh, it's going to be so awesome. It gets all hyped up in the next one. And that's broad evangelicalism by yeah. and large. People are really converted at these retreats. Yeah. So they're not altogether bad. People really have life-changing times. But I think when you live your Christian life that way, or if you're not a Christian and you think you are, and that's the pattern, then you can see how easy you can transition to something that seems more historically rooted, but does the same thing with the liturgical calendar. Oh, Lent's coming up. Ash Wednesday's coming up. It's the next high, yeah, right? Yeah, Do you see yeah. the similarity? I think it's the same thing, but it gives them a little more that. stable historical foundation. They're like, well, the church has been doing this for a long time. It's like a more historically rooted retreatism or crisis Christianity. Mm -hmm. Dang, dude. I've never thought about. I've never made that connection. I you think that there's connection? something no, never there. Once. I think there's something there. There's de that's that's really interesting. And, and rather than a ongoing relationship with Christ mm -hmm. through the scriptures, through the local the church, regular means of grace, through yep. the regular Lord's Day week by week, that's your standard. The Lord's Day worship 
prayer, the word, the sacraments, fellowship, right? True doctrine. And so so that's one. The other one I think I mentioned earlier is people are, well, the two, two other things. One, people are looking for historical objectivity when they should be looking for biblical objectivity mm. and then find the historical counterpart, which is why I'm reformed, mm-hmm. right? I think the Reformation is the greatest historical manifestation of biblical truth since the apostles. And so I'm going to say that's why I first come to realize scripture is everything. God's word is everything. All the objectivity I need for Christian living is in the Bible. It is everything. And then secondly, where's the greatest historical tradition where I find affinity to the truth of scripture? And that's the reformed tradition Mm -hmm. where I think a lot of people go to tradition first. You know, they've grown up in the Baptist tradition in the broad evangelical sense of that or community church or whatever, where there's not much tradition. It's all sort of Mm -hmm. here and now in the moment narcissism. And then they see the weakness with that, right. and then they, they go all the way to the other side. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, this is the oldest tradition in Christendom. It's got to be what I'm looking for. And for a lot of people, it is that issue of authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an authority issue, yeah. Right. They, and I, I've heard this from people that have made that transition. And they, they don't um, – it's like we all want to say, well, sola scriptura. And they're like, well, yeah, but whose interpretation? So like they, they, they really get frustrated over – some people have gotten really frustrated over all the opinions and all the disagreements and then who ultimately is going to say. So um, you know, I think that we have to uh, – I think it's good to understand where these people are coming yeah. from, what their issues have been so that we have a better understanding of where we might be tempted. But also then we have a better ability to help reason with people and speak to those particular problems or issues. Right. Nick, before we go any farther – I want to tell you something. I want to tell you about something I recently got. I got these coasters, mm. these gray suede coasters. These coasters are so nice. I'm not going to let anybody yeah, put yeah, their drinks I, on I them. Can't use them. No. They're, they're, what's cool is my whole house is like gray and white, basically. And these are gray leather suede coasters designed by the great Peter Voth, the, the German artist. And uh, it has all five solas, one sola on each of these coasters. And then there's one that says the five solas. So you actually yeah. got six. It's, um, they are fantastic, and they are from Missional Wear. And uh, Missional Wear mm. is our sponsor for the month. We're encouraging everybody to go. You can buy the coasters. You can buy shirts, yep. journals. Yep. What else can they buy? Uh, animals? Shirts. No, no, there's Pets. no animals. Nope. Nope. You know what they do have, though? What? They have the limited edition. Uh, oh, that's right. That's right. This is the pint glass and the rocks glass. Doctrine and Devotion. The D&D pint glass and rocks glass. This you, is a very small window where you guys can get yes, this. Yes, it is not going to be after that. This is uh, – struck up a deal with Jeff, said, yeah, you could you know sell those for this time and this yeah, time only. this month, and then they're gone. So they're gone. Get on that. Go, head on over to missionalware.com slash Devo. missionalware.com slash Devo. Go there. Uh, buy some stuff. Uh, buy a lot of stuff. Buy. Mm. I'll tell you what. Buy fifty dollars, just 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 over fifty dollars worth of stuff, and then um, you'll get uh, ten bucks off if you use the promo code Doc and Devo. And then go back and order another fifty dollars worth of stuff, and use that promo code. Hey, Wait, did you, you just save twenty bucks? Yeah, do that. Get over there. Start buying stuff. Missionaware.com slash Doc and Devo. All right, Nick. So. Um, People leave because of the authority issue. Yeah. People, um, I think one of the things that I think I, I, is 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 pretty clear is, and you, I think you touched on this, um, is that there is in many evangelical churches no sense of transcendence. Yeah, 
God is small. God is a pitiable thing. God is, God is your buddy. Mm-hmm. He's your co-pilot. Me and Jesus. It's uh, you know, it's he's like your imaginary friend, and uh, and when you look to those more Catholic traditions, God is. I mean, even the architecture, sense of holiness, right? Mm-hmm. God is holy, exalted, high, and lifted up, and he he could consume you. You know what I mean? You you can't mm-hmm. see God and live. You get that sense of it. Now, you what you tend to not get is the intimacy, the yeah. eminence yeah. of God. That's right. But um, so I think what one thing that I, that I think is that people uh, they 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 miss an important aspect of who God really is, His transcendence. They get more of the eminence part. They're not getting the transcendent part, and they see that in other traditions, and they start to go. What, do you think that that is a, a fair? Assessment? Yeah, the guy that mentored me had grown up Roman Catholic and had become a Reformed Baptist and then was in the OPC for a long time. He's in the PCA. He's a missionary in Italy. He's a great guy. And he made that point to me as a young Christian. He said, you know, Nick, the thing that Rome has that so much in broad evangelicalism doesn't have is a sense of God's holiness. Yeah. And that it would be good, just like we share with Rome so much on Trinitarianism. Right. There are things we don't want to throw out. Just because Rome perverts so much. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of those things. I, I strongly agree with that. A sense of reverence, holiness of God, the inapproachability in and of himself apart from Christ. Right. But like you said, we don't get a sense of approachability through the sacraments. We get them through Jesus. Yeah. Who is the mediator. The book of Hebrews really is what Rome is then lacking. So what else? What other reasons do you find? What's this pull? And because it, there are some 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 names that have gone in this way, and we all see, know people that have made this transition. And we're always as Protestants, we're literally trying to pull people out of those churches yeah. uh, into healthy Protestant churches. Um, what are other reasons that people make that? Job? Yeah, so I think there are two other things I'd like to just point out that I've thought about over the years. When I've talked to people who have made the jump to Rome, and it's usually through reading Scott Hahn, who was this PCUSA guy who went to Rome and became the greatest apologist. He wrote a book called Home Sweet Rome, and they've all read any oh, Protestants clever. that have gone, yeah. And <laughs> and it's his stuff is full of terrible theology, but um, when they jump the ship, they all say this. They say, there's something I found in the wood and the water hmm. and the tangibles of Rome that I never found in evangelicalism. And I think it's them saying they want the church to live the Christian life for them. They don't want to do the hard work of crying out to the Lord. Probably most are unconverted. Many are, if not most. And, you know, Christianity, seeking the Lord's not easy. I mean, it takes time, right? We're supposed to draw away and seek the Lord, not just have the church give us water and wood and tangible things to do it for us. It's almost, I mean, it sounds to me like... It is the Christian life is inherently essentially one of faith, yeah, which yep. is not wood and water, right? Right? I mean, it's like this is what makes the sacraments actually so special is that wow, these are actual tangible things that God gives us that preach the gospel to us, that's right, things that we experience. But most of it, right, is it is the means of grace, right. it is prayer, it is the word of God, it is it is the intangible, and so I wonder if. Mm-hmm. If moving in that direction is easier because it requires less faith in a sense. Right. 
That's that's what I was trying to say. I think there's less of the need for self-examination to make sure that I am feeding on Christ yeah. by faith as I come to the table. So I think you hit it. Well, the other thing I've noticed, and this has to do more with sort of Anglicanism, maybe not so much Anglo-Catholicism, but the very high church to Anglicanism. Why do so many move from you know, ordinary means of grace, simple, more Puritan-style worship services like we would have into these Anglican, very high church uh, communions. And I think part of it is they they want this sense of asceticism and creativity and art, and they don't find it in – because we don't do – Right. I mean, the only art we have is the bread and the wine. Mm -hmm. That's our drama Mm -hmm. team, right? Right. That is – that's the drama that God's given us. That's the picture he's given us. And I, I sometimes wonder if a lot of people that make that move away, it's because they want more of the artistic, um, you know, more of the external asceticism where they find a sense of beauty. But our beauty we find in Christ. Mm-hmm. Again, the beauty is in Jesus through the means of grace, not in external rituals. Right. Do you agree with that or disagree? No, I, I do. I mean, it's, it's hard to say what people are actually thinking, mm-hmm. but there's no doubt that that is f- true for, for many. Um, and I, I would agree. I, I think that the, the whole pull towards the, the, the super uh, tactile worship, right? We're going to have a guy molding a sculpture up front that everybody is going to go up and touch afterwards. Or we're all going to, you know, they, they invent extra rituals and, and things for people to do. Because they they want more participation, they they want something that people can walk away with, something that they can you know feel, uh, literally, mm-hmm. <laughs> with their hands. Um, and I, I think I think it leads us away from what God has called us to do I, I, to um, to be still and to know, right? To sit and to receive the word preached, mm-hmm. read. Um, uh, so I, I, for me, it, it combats all of it, and it's not that like those those physical artistic experiences in and of themselves; those are good things, right. mm-hmm. um, and that's the realm of creation that we should be enjoying. But in this world of redemption that we're here, you know, in corporate worship, it's a totally different thing. And I'm not; I don't come here looking for what I can get in the world. I come here looking for what I can only get in the Word. That's right. And so it's 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 a different sphere in that sense, right? Creation and redemption. And so I, I'm not looking for those things. And I, this is the the same problem with people that go to just those really cheesy. Um, I don't even know. I don't want to name any churches, but you know those churches that are just super silly and they're shooting T-shirts out of cannons and giving away yeah, cars right, on Easter right, right, right. and all that. Garbage. Yeah, it's very similar, but a much more sophisticated version in the high church. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. you can like that. You can you can almost give a pass to because you're like, oh yeah, well they're really they're dialing it right. in on 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 Jesus at least. They're they're trying right. to do these things, whereas the other people are just hawking religious goods. I mean, all right. So I'm going to say this. It's there. There's there's still a. a a, a thread connecting those two things, right? Just because we we baptize these these um, these acts doesn't make them holy. That's right. And this really gets to the regulative principle of worship, which a lot of mm-hmm. people hate. And I think people feel like it's too restrictive. Like that just feels like God doesn't want me to break out of this sort of sense of needing more. And it's like, I gotta be me. I gotta be free, but all the more. (laughs) So listen to this. I'll tell you guys this quick story. Have a guy in my church wholeheartedly believe he's a Christian. Grew up a missionary kid. And Sunday we had a guest minister 
president of the seminary I went to, and he preached a sermon. I was telling you about this, Deuteronomy mm-hmm. 4. Deuteronomy 4, I'm like, what is he going to do with this? On sola scriptura. And it was beautiful. Don't add to, don't take away from the word. It was beautiful. Brought Christ in. Christ as the rock. Moses striking the rock. Christ getting struck. And, and oh, it's just this beautiful sermon and strong on, look, we need to guard against adding to or taking away from the word. My friend comes up to me after and he goes, I think I was converted today. Wow. And I said, well, you know, I don't know whether you were converted today or not. Mm-hmm. I, you know, maybe he was. I, I don't know. He's got but assurance you know of salvation what? right now. God did God. something in his yeah. soul through yeah. the plain preaching yeah. of the word. And when we think he doesn't do that and we're looking for everything else, yeah. that's when we err because we're not trusting. This is what God says he's going to bless. Right on. So. Right on. So, I mean, what do we, what do, we do here? I mean, we, we see people moving in, in those directions. Um, what, I mean, let, let's say people are, are feeling that pull right now. And they're just saying, like, I'm, I'm just frustrated because they, maybe they see an appeal in, in the Catholic tradition. Um, and they rightly see something that's missing from the church that they're at or the churches that they're at or the Christians that they know. What do you say to them? Yeah, depending on where they are, obviously, depending on what kind of ecclesiastical fellowship they're in. And and let me say this, I in no way think that every confessionally reformed Baptist, Presbyterian, or Anglican church um, is healthy right, or has it all figured out. Mm-hmm. In no way whatsoever. Lots of variation. We're all very open about the weaknesses in our churches, yes, absolutely. as well as the absolutely. churches in our networks and denominations. But it's like Winston Churchill said about democracy, it's the best of a bad lot. Right. And I think that reform confessional congregations that are ordinary means of grace, just expository preaching of the word, regular institution of the supper, prayer, prayer in the service, prayer in the life of the church, discipline, you know, they lovingly yet faithfully carry out discipline fellowship among believers, find a church like that, whether it's Baptist, whether it's Presbyterian, whether it's Anglican, there are some Anglican churches like that. Find a church like that and commit yourself to it because I believe it's the best of a bad lot. Mm -hmm. And I believe that it's where you are going to grow the most. And I believe that over time, I usually tell people that come from really broad evangelical churches into our fellowship, stick with us for about two to three months. And And they may not like it at first, but within three months, they're almost all saying, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it's changing your diet. I didn't know how good this was. And I think people will find what they're looking for if if they're true believers. I think they will find a sense of settled, settled, um, mm-hmm. you know, settledness. I like, I like, and we, we, we see this here at Redeemer. Um, I know you see it at, uh, at New Covenant, that um, if they come and they stay, it's pretty hard for them to come and stay for a lot of the wrong reasons because we don't have a lot to offer. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> we, have, we have pretty bare bones. Yeah, they're coming for the right thing. Yeah. You know, and it's possible, of course, for them to come for the wrong. But it's a lot harder to come for the wrong things because there's just not much. We have preaching, singing, prayer, fellowship, and or, God gets ordinance. the glory. Yeah, and it, absolutely. So it's you know it's when you have a, a, a slick production and a sick building and all yeah. that stuff. Uh, and slick production is not bad, and right. a sick building is great. Nick would would love to have a sick building. Yes, um, we have a you sickly can send building. Paychecks. Well, we <laughs> you can send us checks to New Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond Hill, Georgia, for yeah, a building. You, building listen, fund. they they are not even ten years old, and uh, yes, you could actually support them. That would be really good. 
So, um, yeah, that's that's one of the things I love about you know simple, yeah, biblical reformed worship. The last thing I'd say: read the Puritans, mm-hmm. read the Puritans, read the Puritans. Interestingly, John Piper did a pastors' conference years ago where he had Joel Beakey. And when he went to introduce them, go and listen to this, I was by there. the way. It was profound. Piper gave like a 20-minute spiel on, I don't know why all these young Calvinists or young Christians are going to the Catholic mystics to find what they can find in the Puritans. I was like, boom. Yeah. <laughs> that was He nailed it. The Puritans give you biblical objectivity and the spiritual experientialism that people are going to the mystics for Mm -hmm. the experientialism where they don't get the biblical solid doctrinal fidelity. And I think the Puritans wed it. Not perfectly. Right. But read Sibs, read Owen, read Manton, read the Puritans. It's what was called experimental Calvinism is what it was called later. And um, this is – listen, you want to cure angry Calvinists? You want to cure – a uh, proud Calvinist. Uh, if if you find yourself as one of those guys or girls who is just super arrogant and pugnacious, uh, it's because you're not an experimental Calvinist. You are uh, you are a fake Calvinist. You have it head knowledge, but it's not heart knowledge. It's not experiential. And so I totally agree, Nick. Uh, and I, that's what I found. It's why I spend the time that I spend in reading the Puritans, not because I think they're cool. Um, I think they had terrible hair. Uh, and you know, I'm kind of hair focused. I like, like Jimmy's got awesome hair. That's why Jimmy and I are friends live vicariously through his hair. They, um, plays with it a lot, man. I do. I do. But you don't like it. Uh, I only like it when we are on retreat. Okay. I see. This is is getting super weird guys. I think that (laughs) (laughs) don't don't ask Halopolis about our, (laughs) let me me just plug this real quick too. Puritan paperbacks. If you Mm -hmm. don't read the Puritans start, just get the banner of truth has done us an enormous service by giving us the Puritan paperbacks. Pick up Watson's All Things for Good. Right. Read it. Let it be the first one. You'll you'll be hooked. My very first book was um, Samuel Bolton's The True Bounds of Christian Freedom. Oh, it's one that of the greatest the books ever. Very first one of the book greatest I read. books. And I read it as a as a freshman in uh, Bible college when everybody was arguing over lordship salvation, mm. and I just happened to pick it up. And uh, Sib's Glorious Freedom, yep. very much like it. Yep. Another one, outstanding. Yeah, I've taken, listen guys, I've taken high school students through Puritan paperbacks. And after they finish one, they can read any of them. That first one, I walk them through it, and then they're, they're doing great. So yeah, good word, man. We'll link to the, the Puritan paperbacks here in the show notes. Nick, where can people find you on social media? So I'm on Twitter at Nick underscore Batsig, and I'm on Facebook at Nick Batsig. Great. So check him out. What about your church website? Sure. You can find us online at newcovepress.com. And Reformation 21, tell us about that. Um, Reformation 21 was started back, I believe, in 2004, pre-Gospel Coalition. Right, by a bunch of old Pre-everything else. Yeah, Phil Riken and Lake Duncan, Derek <laughs> Thomas Tabidi, Anabuile, yeah. D.A. Carson were all involved in its founding. And then as TGC and T4G and all those got started and these different men went off and kind of did, you know, new ministries and things God called them to, Ref 21 kind of, you know, took different shapes and forms. Mm-hmm. And I've been the editor 
Charter for the last two years, trying to give it, you know, a robustly confessional focus to speak to social issues, political issues, uh, church issues, mm-hmm. and to have a spectrum of guys from ecclesiastical uh, ecclesiastical backgrounds. We want to have confessional Baptists and Presbyterians and Anglicans, and we want to have diversity in our in our writers. What's so. the What's the website? Reformation twenty one dot org, and twenty one is the number twenty one. And then Christward Collective. Christward Collective is a site that the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, on which Ref twenty one is hosted. Um, had a start, I think, three years ago, and Joe was one of the original contributors, and uh, we put together a number of really good guys to write for that, and it's kind of morphed over time, too, and everybody's got busy schedules. We have a number of really solid ministers and some women we've added in who are running for us. Christina Fox, she's a young, up-and-coming PCA girl who's writing some really good stuff. Uh, Danielle Spencer, who's in uh, the church that Kevin DeYoung pastored and Jason Halopoulos is at up there in Michigan. She's writing some good stuff. So a younger, I think a, a younger group of writers yeah. um, across a, a broad spectrum of confessionally reformed churches. Well, Jimmy and I love both of those websites. Yeah, um, really good articles, really going to help you grow. You guys definitely need to check it out. Nick, we love you. We respect you. We're blessed to count you as a friend, and we're glad that you made the time this Mother's Day weekend blowing off your wife in order to hang with us. It means the world. We'll be sure and uh, link to all of your stuff here in the show notes. Jimmy, how can people support the podcast? Well, first, uh, you're going to want to support it by... By making sure you give some love to Justin Bond of J Bond Media, the audiovisual wizard of Doctrine and Devotion. You can head on over to jbondmedia.com and he will hook you up. You could follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Doc and Devo or on Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. You can head on over to the website, doctrineofdevotion.com, click on the sign up page, the contact us page, or the store. You can grab some t shirts, some hoodies, some journals, some video content. Fresh Pod every Monday and Thursday. Blog posts on Wednesdays. Later. Mm-hmm.